0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Open Minds Radio with Alejandro Rojas. Open Minds Radio is your UFO news authority, presenting evidence and the latest news regarding the UFO phenomenon. Here's your host, Alejandro
2: Rojas. Your host, Alejandro Rojas. Hello, everybody. It is wonderful to be talking to you again. I hope you all had a fabulous week. I had a great Spielberg week last week, and we're going to talk all about that. And that's why I have our special guest on this week, Grant Cameron, because he's uh, the expert when it comes to presidents and UFOs. He runs the website presidentialufo.com, which he founded. And Spielberg, you know, knew a lot of presidents. And there's some wild, crazy stuff going on there. And so Grant and I will be talking about that in a little while. And uh, it's all very exciting because I also saw the movie Super 8, and that was really cool. Uh, I liked it a lot, and so I recommend it to you people to go check out. Uh, you'll like it, especially if you're into UFOs and stuff, because there's lots of government conspiracy and Air Force people running around, not telling us what's going down overstepping their bounds, all to keep these secrets. So pretty cool stuff. You will like it. Also, just a couple pieces of news. uh, Just some places that we will be at soon, and that will be MUFON in July 29th to the 31st. However sooner, Roswell, and that will be a lot of fun. Speaking of Air Force and secrets, uh, July 1st to the 4th, Antonio Junez, uh, one of the writers for the magazine who's been on the show several times, he and I will be in Roswell. So come visit us at the museum. We'll be hanging out with our buddies Don Schmidt and Stanton Friedman, the two experts on Roswell who also contributed to our last magazine, which was dedicated to Roswell, and they will be on hand to sign magazines. So that is going to be a lot of fun at the famous Roswell Museum. One of the greatest things about Open Minds is that we keep you up to date on all the latest and greatest news. If you go to OpenMinds TV, you're going to see even more towards the top two, so you don't have to search for it. Our articles, our articles are about fresh and new stuff going on. We're breaking news all the time, like this last week, and we also have all the daily headlines, UFO news throughout the world. And luckily, this radio show we bring on our news correspondent. Every week, Jason McClellan to tell us more about the news. Jason, are you there?
1: I am, Alejandro. Thank you so much, sir. Glad to be here. This is your Open Minds News Brief for Monday, June thirteenth, two 2011. Well, Another one of author Whitley Streber's works is getting the big screen treatment, and that work is The Nye Incident, a graphic novel co-created by Whitley Streber and Craig Spector. Nick Nadel from AMC's FilmCritic.com describes... The Nye incident follows level-headed medical examiner Lynn Devlin's investigations into the gruesome murder of an alien abductee. Of course, she is haunted by dreams of creepy saucer-eyed people despite her logical Dana Scully-esque side. Director Todd Lincoln, producer Daniel Alter, and RKO are the team tasked with adapting the comic for the big screen. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the topic of alien abduction is all too familiar to Streber, who is a self-proclaimed abductee. His novel, Communion, which was also made into a movie, is based on his personal experiences. And the Nye Incidents will reportedly be based on some factual information, too, as Strieber will be involved in the development of the film, acting as a consultant and providing documents and case files on what he purports are true evidence, true events. In an interview with Shocktillydrop.com, the director, Todd Lincoln, revealed his passion for the project. He stated, Growing up, I watched Communion and Fire in the Sky. And I think the whole reason I'm so excited about this project is that I feel that we have the go-to iconic horror movies for vampires, werewolves, slashers, and zombies. I just feel like we don't have the go-to horror movie for these visitors. We're not treating this like sci-fi. We're treating this seriously. We're treating this like it's really happening, and it could happen to you. The Nye Incident is currently in development and is tentatively scheduled for a 2012 release.
2: This sounds really interesting. Whitley Stryber, man, he's, he's got connections. It's great uh, that he's able to get now another film done uh, from one of his pieces of work. And you know what would be cool? They should get Dana Scully and have this, the third X-Files movie. That would be
1: sweet. Some of the uh, news sources I read about this project, there, there are more than one that uh, suggests... To bring in Dana Scully.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: And they've mentioned that uh, they need she needs to do that to make up for X-Files 2.
2: Yeah, that was terrible. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to out you on something, too. All right. The movie Communion. You got it the other day, and you didn't even finish it. Uh, I don't know
1: what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> I can't you're blame right. you, though. You're right.
1: I, I admit it. I couldn't make it all the way through that movie.
2: It's uh, rough. I mean, it is. You know, uh, it, I was shocked when I saw it just because the main actor, who's the guy again? Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher and I Walken. Love,
1: I love, love, love Christopher Walken. He's a fantastic actor. He's one of my favorites. But in that movie, he's just
2: insane. I think they let him do improv or something. He just didn't make sense. What he said, right. he had, the things he said. And it's not, there's a story there, but like this guy just doesn't make sense.
1: No, and that is why I couldn't make it through the movie.
2: And it also made me laugh because by then I knew Streber had had dinner with him, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is not like Streber at all."
1: But congratulations to Streber, man. He, you're yeah. You're right. He, he does have connections. This is uh, what maybe, I'm maybe the fourth or fifth of his works to be turned into mm-hmm. a to a movie. So.
2: And if he's involved, you know, there, I'm sure he's going to get in, you know, real research and real information in there. So that's great.
1: Yeah, that's very good. Well, continuing uh, with the story from last week and the week before, and the week before, Annie Jacobson's book about Area 51 is still causing a stir one month after it was released. We reported last week that ABC's Nightline challenged some of the claims made by the book, made in the book by Jacobson, pointing out that her anonymous source says he didn't make all the claims Jacobson said he did. According to, uh, or adding to the controversy, uh, there were some comments made last week by some of the former Area 51 employees who told the Huffington Post, everybody's up in arms over the book. It's got its good points, but the last chapter just destroys what would have been a good book. For those who don't know, much of the controversy surrounding this book stems from a theory presented in the book pertaining to the famous Roswell UFO crash. This theory states that the Roswell UFO was actually a Nazi craft sent to the U.S. by Stalin, And the craft contained surgically altered children, and that's what uh, was recovered at the Roswell crash.
2: And the news continues. Today there's a whole new rash of stories on this book and about the Roswell piece, the last eight pages of the book. I don't think she, because it's selling books, I don't think she regrets putting that in there, even though at this point she's getting criticized. Her her professionalism as a journalist is getting criticized that she uses. this a named source, someone who, um, as Nightline put it, doesn't seem to really uh, be all there. He's an older gentleman who doesn't have the the mental faculties to remember such details. And
1: you make a good point. I think you're completely right. I don't think she uh, she feels bad about putting that in her book at all. I think she, it was yeah. intentional, and uh, it's paying off nicely, just as she hoped it would.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to read about the A12, the ox cart, and stuff, to be honest, is kind of boring anyway. So, um, really, George Knapp and well, and his predecessors at KLAS Television in Las Vegas have already written about all that stuff anyway, right?
1: And I'm sure we'll be talking about this again next week too. But we'll oh, move man. on now. I know, unfortunately. In other news, a California man claims to have discovered a structure on Mars. David Martinez, a self-described armchair astronaut, stumbled on what he believes to be a physical structure on the surface of the red planet while browsing Google Mars, a free web-based map program that contains a compilation of satellite images. Martinez named the supposed structure Biostation Alpha and describes it as being more than 700 feet long and 150 feet wide and appearing to be a cylinder or made up of cylinders. Martinez uploaded a video to the Internet that shows the image ...containing the object in question. And while the image is interesting, some scientists have offered an explanation for this anomaly. Alfred McEwen told Space.com, It looks like a linear streak artifact produced by a cosmic ray. McEwen is a planetary geologist at the Lunar and Planetary Lab at the University of Arizona. Director of the Planetary Imaging Research Laboratory and the principal investigator of the High Resolution Imaging Science Experiment, a powerful telescope currently orbiting Mars. Theoretical physicist Michio Kaku also came to the conclusion that cosmic rays are the likely cause of the anomaly. At the present time, there isn't really any way to know with 100% certainty the true nature of the object in the image. Mars surface exploration missions are currently in the works, and those could eventually provide additional answers, but for now, the opinions of these scientific experts are the only official answers to the mystery. Mm-hmm. You can search the surface of Mars for yourself at google.com slash mars.
2: Linda Howe sent me a story, uh, and she did a great interview with a professor from Arizona University, not Arizona State University. This is yeah. Tucson.
1: Arizona State University is the one Linda sent you.
2: No, Arizona, I think, a University University. And space dot com talked to Arizona State University. Oh, either way, both the Arizona University schools. of
1: Arizona and Arizona State University; those are the two universities. So
2: yeah, so there was a one from each. One space dot com talked to one. Linda Howe talked to the other. Uh, anyway, he made a, some good points, and they we're kind of glassed upon on the space dot because it was shorter, and her interview was longer. Is that uh, these Google compilations? They take pictures from who knows where from who knows what NASA um, uh, project or mission, so they don't know where the pictures come from. So uh, that in any of the pictures that he looked at, and the other, both guys said this, they did not see this anomaly in the area the guy said it was in, so that it probably, that's what indicates that it's not really a station there. Um, But they don't know. And they both said, or at least this guy said, you know, Google should really try to label those pictures somehow because then at least then we can go verify stuff like this,
1: yeah, but we've we've seen this before in the past with the uh, claims of finding structures or or bodies or other things on
2: dinosaurs
1: on planets um and you know we we have we don't have to, but you know we we can trust that these experts who tell us uh that they're glitches in the cameras or or some other explanation is. Possibly, likely the case because these people who are offering these opinions, these expert opinions, that's what they do with most of their time is is look at these images that are that we get back from satellites. So they see lots and lots and lots of images and see lots and lots and lots of glitches and different things that happen to the images.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And these these are university guys. I mean, at yeah Arizona universities here. Uh, it's not like they're JPL where. JPL has admitted to holding back some pictures and stuff like that, but um that it's different from
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, you know, university professors would really have any motivation to hold back information. In fact I think they would want to push something out if they discovered something. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: but who knows uh who controls the gate.
2: Yeah, not the me. The
1: real gatekeeper. Well, continuing uh, a story from last week also. We reported last week about the Australian X-Files and how they have mysteriously gone missing. On Friday, Lee Spiegel from AOL News and the Huffington Post published an article about the missing UFO files, and he asked Nick Pope for his take on the situation. Pope, who handled the British government's UFO files, said, If these Australian files were unclassified, I can well understand material being lost. Sometimes material is in- inadvertently destroyed. He further stated, It's possible to imagine a scenario where someone who had no interest or involvement in the subject was reviewing the material on UFOs and simply said, this is just a whole bunch of people who've seen flying saucers. This isn't really the sort of thing we want to keep. And then they take it to the shredder.
2: Yeah, if they're unclassified, like you said, but we we don't know. Yeah, if they were unclassified, yeah, they could be, this person might have thought they were mundane and, and silly and just tossed them. Um, uh, unwittingly throwing away all the secrets to the UFO mystery.
1: It's it's
2: plausible. Mm-hmm. And Nick would know.
1: I, I think he even said in the interview that, yeah, I, I kind of accidentally <laughs> lost some files too. But you can imagine it would happen dealing
2: with so many files. Well, and he mentioned that this happens a lot, and we have gotten this quite a bit from uh Remember the the moon videos, our film was lost for so long. Right. Um and the Kecksburg case, uh where Leslie Keane and, and others, the sci fi channel sued NASA to get information on the Kecksburg UFO crash and NASA said they lost the files. And even though the judge said, I don't you know, you better find these files, you guys are really screwing up, you're making a mess of this, NASA was never able to find them and Leslie felt that uh, she worked closely enough with them for so long, she felt they honestly did lose the files.
1: That's certainly, again, it's certainly a plausible explanation that somebody just accidentally lost the files.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, but I I do have a difficult time believing that because I can imagine, in in judging, using Nick Pope as an example, I'm sure Australia had tons and tons and tons of UFO files.
2: But losing files can be like this, where, you know, for instance, in the Kecksburg case, some Air Force person who has access to those files takes them and trashes them. As far as NASA knows, when they go to look for them, they're lost. They don't know where they are. They don't know who took them. Um, so that, that's a, a possible scenario, which could have happened with Australia. Somebody decided, well, we don't want these getting out. They trash them, and the people who are in charge of the files, Go to look for them, and hey, they're, they're not lost, there. You know, yeah.
1: yeah, that's a shame. I I hope they find them. You know, you and I talk about Australia a lot on this show. Australia mm-hmm. has so much activity every every week,
2: and they have marsupials. I love marsupials.
1: Well, I I don't. Well, I guess they could be in the files, but
2: well, they and they're an alien type of creature compared to the other continents.
1: True, true. Alejandro, I'll bring up something that, that might make you sad, but but you'll probably be excited about it. I know you really want to get to the crop circles. Well, there are more crop circles. And according to uh, the website This Is Wiltshire, more crop circles have popped up recently. Crop circle researcher Lucy Pringle investigates the circles and takes aerial photographs of these mysterious formations. According to Pringle, two of the latest circles appeared in Rotten and East Kennet, and she says that so far about 12 circles have appeared. More... ...than at this time last year. Hmm. It seems like it's slow. It does seem like it's slow. I was surprised by that.
2: Yeah. She would know, though. Yeah? I guess Crop Circle Connector is the best site to go check that out. Right.
1: Well, when are you going to get over the crop circles?
2: I don't know. I really don't. Must do. Yeah, I can't wait to. I want to. And I'm going to set a goal right now for next summer.
1: Okay. You know, there are probably some circles that happen out by your house, but they would be dirt circles
2: yeah there's dirt devils. I'm yeah. out in the desert, so
1: and uh, some some bigger news uh, from from this from last week. Uh, back in December, we mentioned that the Argentinian Air Force was working to establish a UFO commission. That commission has now been established. The commission for the investigation of aerospace phenomena officially launched on may 26th. A general explained that this commission will undertake a scientific study of aerospace phenomena. And Captain Mariano, a spokesperson for the Argentinian Air Force, explained, The intention is not to prove that there is life in other planets, but to confirm from a scientific perspective these unknown phenomena and arrive at the truth, because undoubtedly they are the the reason for our study. The commission will function under the General Secretary of the Argentinian Air Force and will have members from the National Meteorological Service, engineers, radar technicians, pilots, computer experts, and satellite experts. This is fantastic, Alejandro. What a great great group of people to have looking into UFO sightings.
2: Yeah, this is really exciting because this is their Air Force taking this subject very seriously. Um, and it's, it's exciting for a number of reasons because if you were an honest, open Air Force official who was, who was tasked with the issue of investigating UFOs, Uh, If it was me, this is probably how you'd go about it. You'd get together experts from lots of different fields to come together to talk about it in an open manner that's open to the public. They also went and they visited with civilian research organizations. That would be like the Air Force, you know, starting their own group and then sitting down with MUFON and talking to MUFON, sharing information and ideas, uh, you know, going to local chapters of MUFON and talking with everybody figuring stuff out. This is really the way it needs to be. It should be done. So this is really exciting. You know, just huge uh, kudos for Argentinian Air Force uh, for doing this. And uh, it's kind of neat. We heard about it, and it made some news that it was going to happen when they announced they were going to do this. And now they're they're actually doing it. So they've put this commission together. It's at the Air Force headquarters, um, and so it's really exciting. I'm surprised though that, as far as I know, we're the only ones who have reported on this. Though, uh, we reported on this what Friday? Mm-hmm. Uh, put this up with all of the details, and I haven't seen it really anybody else, anywhere else.
1: I haven't either. And uh, you know, kudos to Antonio Huneus for yeah. doing this, and he has a wonderful story on the website about it. So. Mm-hmm check that out
2: pictures and details and i hope it hits the news i mean cuz when they announced they were going to do this that made news even on conventional news sources right um but now that they've put it together which is even more exciting especially given the details you just outlined with all these professionals mm-hmm. that's that's news yeah it's
1: really exciting and and like i said when they initially announced it i got to say i was kind of skeptical and you know because we hear Government bodies and, and, and other people announce that things are going to happen, but right. that doesn't always happen. So when we heard this, that they had actually launched uh, this new search, really, it's good to hear that they followed through. Yep. Good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Well, 100, that is it for the news. But remember, you can check out all of these stories we talked about and a lot more stories at openminds.tv, your source for UFO-related news. I'm Jason McClellan, your Open Minds News Correspondent, and you've
2: been briefed. Back to you, Alejandro. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, I think we've talked about the articles that uh, we have on the site, except for a bigger one that we had last week. Oh, we have, uh, oh no, that was the Mars secret We have the big news, which is the reason why we're having Grant Cameron on today, not that he's you know not an excellent guest to have at any time cuz his knowledge is so incredibly vast and he researches the minute details about all of this stuff that he looks into and we were both extremely excited i know i was excited when i ran across this interview some of you who have been in this field for some time probably are already aware of the rumors um that spielberg showed his uh, movie E.T. the Extraterrestrial at the White House. And when he did, the rumor was that Reagan had leaned over and whispered to him, you know, there probably aren't six people in this room that know how real this movie really is. That was the rumor that went around, and it was unconfirmed. Nobody knew for sure if that really happened. In fact, I was skeptical because we hadn't heard much. And then... There was a Grant Cameron had gotten a story from someone who said they talked to a major director, didn't want to give up who, and that this major director confirmed that Spielberg had told him that that actually happened. Me, and and no offense if you're in media or production, I don't trust media and production people that much, and uh, I think probably my listeners can understand that because, of course, A lot of times when you do interviews um, or you help uh, documentaries and stuff and you put them together, you know, producers want to put out a show that's going to sell the truth, they kind of mangle and twist. And uh, unfortunately, most of the time if you work with a big television show or something like that, they're not going to present your information the way you want it to. Uh, They're going to mangle it. And, And the big magazines will do that. The worst, I'll tell you guys right now, that I've worked with is probably Popular Mechanics. They're awful. The San Francisco Chronicle's pretty bad, too. Anyway, so I don't trust uh, uh, media and stuff that much, so I wasn't sure if it was real. Well, this week, a guy from Ain't It Cool, his name is Eric Vespi. Ain't It Cool News, I don't know if you've seen this site, probably not, because it's not that big of a news site, but apparently this guy has interviewed entertainers before uh, quite a bit, and he interviewed, he kind of tricked Spielberg. He tricked him into giving him an interview about Super 8. But instead of talking Super 8, he talked about his favorite Spielberg movie, which is Jaws. So they talk about Jaws and the details about Jaws. And it's a very fun interview. It's all written out at uh, Ain't It Cool News. But also each of the sections have an audio link where you can actually listen to him and Spielberg talking. Obviously, Spielberg's having a good time. He's sharing some behind-the-scenes about Jaws, and uh, it's going great. They're having fun. He's real loose and open. And at the end of this very long interview, the guy says, hey, I heard that you uh, showed E.T. at the White House, and Reagan said that E.T. was real. And Spielberg goes to and answers the question. He said, oh, yeah, that did happen. He said, you know, Spielberg, or uh, he said... Uh, Reagan stood up, looked around the room, kind of taking a head count, and with a straight face says, uh, "You know, thank you for bringing to the movie to the White House and showing it to us. We really liked it. And there are a number quote and there are a number of people in this room who know that everything on the screen is absolutely true." Unquote. Spielberg goes on to say that he said this without smiling. But everybody laughed. Uh, Anyway, they all started laughing, assuming he was joking. So Spielberg then assumed he was joking. Spielberg admits, he says, I am somewhat of a ufologist, so I was hoping that there was something more to this than just a joke. So that's kind of cool, too. He admits he's still into UFOs because he's kind of hesitant, Spielberg, to say this sort of thing. And uh, that he was really excited to hear Reagan um, talk about you know this, and and hoping that this was a real deal. But uh, So the question is, was Reagan joking, was Reagan not joking? That is the question. Of course, the guy following this story, the closest uh, over the years, has been Grant Cameron, so I had to talk to him about it. Uh, I knew he would be really excited about this news because we've talked about it over the years. And uh, Grant would have a lot more information to share because there's a lot of background behind the president and UFOs and Spielberg and Spielberg being friends with these presidents, all of that sort of thing. So uh, I wanted to get Grant on to talk about all of this because he's the perfect guy to talk to. And I knew I would have a lot of fun. I always do talking to him and it would be very insightful. So let's go ahead and hear what Grant has to say about the big Spielberg news, Spielberg and UFOs with Grant Cameron. All right. I am so happy to have my good buddy and the expert when it comes to the presidents and UFOs, Mr. Grant Cameron. Hello there. Hi, Alejandro. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Yep, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while since we had you on, and I know I am really giddy about uh, all kinds of Spielberg news that I've come across uh, lately, but I'm sure you are too because we've even talked recently about, you know, I'm always, I don't know, I've become kind of jaded, I guess, but uh, I've been skeptical, you know, until you can have confirmation of of whether, you know, Reagan really said anything or what he said at the ET uh, screening, and now we have confirmation from Spielberg's own mouth.
3: Yes, we do, and uh, you're the one that uh, actually tracked it down and let me know, and then uh, we together sort of uh, scrambled up some stuff. And it's a story that goes back. I, I was actually during during the morning I was trying to find this, and I've got the earliest version of this comes from uh, Bill Moore, who was uh, the sort of the one of the more prominent researchers of the 1980s, and the. The first appearance I've got of this story that uh, supposedly Reagan said something at the screening of E.T. in June 1982 comes from Focus magazine, which was Bill Moore's magazine Ah. of uh, November the 1st, 1987. And I'll just read the one paragraph that has the original story, because if you go go on the Internet, there's all sorts of different versions Mm -hmm. of the story. This is Bill Moore's version. In June 1982, following a private White House screening of Spielberg's then-to-be-soon-released film E.T., The president quietly commented to Mr. Spielberg himself, you know, there aren't six people in this room who who know how true that really is. Unfortunately, a press of people coming forward to congratulate him prevented Spielberg from pursuing the point further. The source of this information is none other than Mr. Spielberg himself, who told the story to our associate, Jamie Chandra, shortly after it happened. Now, apparently, Chandray was working uh, with a Japanese film crew in Japan on a documentary on Spielberg, and that's when he uh, heard this story from Spielberg. And uh, so, Chandra
2: heard it straight from Spielberg.
3: Straight from Spielberg. Okay,
2: I wasn't and, sure about
3: uh, that. And Chandray, uh, as you, uh, you, may your guests probably don't know, but Chandray uh, Billmore quit and went into uh, seclusion. I tried to get a comment from him after you had this story break, and apparently he's not talking about UFOs. He won't even talk to people who he used to talk to UFOs about. Uh, Jamie Chandray got remarried and is totally out of UFOs since the late 1990s, so there's no way to really uh, confirm this. But I was thinking uh, Jamie Chandra, uh was inside the business. It doesn't make any sense that Jamie Chandray would make up the story because mm-hmm. if you're inside the business in Hollywood – I mean, the worst thing you can do is make up a story about a, a major director uh, and then make it public. So I always had confidence in the fact that Jimmy Chandray is telling the truth. And as I told you later, I was contacted by um, a film producer at the X conference. And she came up and said that she had uh, contact with a major Hollywood director.
0: She mm-hmm. would tell
3: me who it was. And she said, well, uh, he had told the same story. And I said, well, is it, is it the same story? And she said, well, I'll check. She took my webpage. She took the story off the webpage. Went to this, and she said it was a major Hollywood director, and came back and wrote me back about a, m- a month later and said, "Yes, he confirms that's what Jamie, that's what Spielberg told him as well." Mm-hmm. So then uh, the story uh, that breaks the other day is a little bit different. Yeah. And and uh, in in this one, he basically is talking to the audience, uh, which is about thirty-seven people somewhere in that neighborhood. And in in that uh, thing, he just talks about the fact that there are people in the room who know that this is all the truth. Mm-hmm. And he says it without a wink in his eye and without any smirk or smile, everybody in the audience laughs. And Spielberg interprets this now as being a joke. And what I was thinking about is um, there may still actually be two contacts, uh, because I can't see Chandray making up this story and what may have happened is Spielberg told Chandra uh, I bet you there aren't six people who know how true this is, and then stands up after and tells people this, this open story. Because uh, I tried to track him down shortly after. In 1988, I tried to track uh, Spielberg for a comment, and I wasn't able to get through to him. And Billy Cox, uh, the reporter from Florida, managed to get a hold of his PR guy. And the PR, uh, Martin Levy, I think his name was, He said to Billy Cox, he said, Mr. Spielberg will not comment on private conversations that he's had with the president, which would mean that there may have been two, the private one where he said about six people, and then the public ones. So Spielberg still is not breaking his confidentiality with the president if he's telling this story, because this was an open story that um, uh, the president told in front of 40 people about Mm -hmm. the fact that this, this all could be for real. And the other thing is, and, and you got this um, material from the Reagan Library, uh, with the names of the people. And if you take a look at yeah. the names of the people who were in the room, mm-hmm. there really are no need to know people. It's always this whole thing about UFOs.
2: Well, there might uh, the be one. Know? Pardon me? What do you think about, James, on the list? Yeah, thanks to you, we we were able to get this list of everybody who was in the room. But one was interesting, James Beggs, who was uh, the sixth administrator of NASA,
3: yeah, who was the Nassau guy
0: mm-hmm.
2: at the time.
3: The, the strange thing about that was the morning after, this happened Sunday night, the, the filming, and right after the movie, Reagan went to bed. He got up the next morning, and the first meeting on his agenda the next morning was a meeting on uh, the space program, on policy for the space program, and there was a briefing, and maybe it was NASA mm. people were briefing, but there was no people on the list of the, of, uh, in the room and this was held in the Situation Room, so I'm not really sure whether the NASA guy is on a need to know. He was one of the higher yeah. ranking people. There was the um, maybe the uh, meeting, James.
2: but he was he wanted to know. Hey, what you said last night about E.D. is that true? <laughs> yeah,
3: there, there was a couple of the people. Um, his um, um, chief of staff and his assistant chief of staff
0: mm-hmm. were in the
3: room for the for the screening. They were in a pre-meeting before the NASA meeting the next morning with Reagan. Uh, There's no notes as to what happened there. Uh, But most of the people who were in the room, there was two two, um, uh, astronauts. There was Engel, who was um, the backup commander for um, Apollo 10. He didn't go on it. He was also the backup commander for STS-1, the first one. And he was the commander of STS-2. But he's, he's... Not really a major uh, NASA astronaut that everybody knows. Uh, Didn't really, I checked around a little bit, didn't seem to have any interaction with UFOs. And the other guy was truly, um, it was the other astronaut. So they aren't major uh, Mm -hmm. players, major astronauts, whether they'd be read in. Uh, There was the, um, uh, one of the major guys from the editorial board at Newsweek was there. There seemed to be quite a few reporters uh there was a journalist this uh uh one journalist guy uh there was a screenwriter the guy who co-wrote uh Apollo 13 was one of the people will uh william uh Bar-O-Eals, Bur Bar-O-Eals, Royal. something like that and um there was um but other than that and the there was the ambassador from uh, great britain to uh the united states was one of the people who was in the room, and that's kind of interesting because Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister at the time, and as you probably know, Margaret Thatcher at one point, when talking about what UFOs said, you can't tell the people. So her um, uh, representative to the United States was in the room, and the other interesting thing was that shortly after that, Spielberg went and screened the movie for the, uh, Prince Philip and the Queen, E.T. was screened in, in Great Britain. He went to Great Britain to screen it.
2: Cool.
3: So, and, and then there's a, a weird story. We can talk a bit more about who was in the room, but there's a weird story that I, I always thought was significant. Uh, Reagan uh, does this E.T. thing. He saw uh, Poltergeist the night before. He was at uh, Camp David. He saw huh. Poltergeist. And the Sunday night, he saw E.T. And I, about three months later, he ends up in Roswell. And he goes to Roswell. He's with uh, Harrison Schmidt, who was... Uh, running and actually end up losing the election. Um, so they go to Roswell, and in front of the hangar where the bodies uh, were supposedly stored, Reagan stands up and he makes an E.T. joke to start the speech. And this is only a couple months after the E.T. thing, and he actually refers to E.T. in this joke. And so it, it's kind of interesting that he sees the E.T. movie, and then suddenly he it's almost like he tells his guys, you know, I, I need to go to Roswell, because this was just shortly after the famous... Uh, book by burlitz and uh moore the first roswell book came out right so it was it was pretty hyped up at the time and reagan appears at roswell and
2: makes his speech
3: in front of the hangar so it yeah, was a I lot of about very
2: interesting stuff the people in the room um it kind of may lend to the joke a little more than like you said if these people are not people who are read in uh you know but there are there's a nasa guy there's There's a couple astronauts, so, of course, people get excited hanging out with people like that. Um, So that kind of would make his joke kind of funny because uh, uh, the people who were there. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, It's a great find, though. It's it's great to – what's fun, too, about the interview is that you get to hear Spielberg himself and his inflections. And I was really excited that he also called himself a ufologist. Yeah, exactly. and then we, the
3: interesting thing mm-hmm. here is that there he's got what three movies coming out now. Yeah, he may face the question again because I was talking to Billy Cox about it, and he said, Well, why after twenty years? He for twenty years he's he's refused to talk about it mm-hmm. in terms of people sending him emails and uh contacting the publicists and stuff like that. But this is really the first time where he's been faced with the question. Where somebody because the interview didn't really have to do with E. T. No. It had to do with, with another movie. So he gets sort of blindsided by this question yeah. and really didn't expect it to be coming. But he may face that question again yeah. because it has it has got a little bit of media coverage. So he may uh, face the question again while he's doing his publicity stunts for these next uh, movies that are coming up yeah. in the next couple
2: of months. And if it does, it's because, you know, it was on Ain't It Cool News, uh, which is kind of a, a smaller news uh, site. Of course, we're all posting it all over the place because we're excited about it. But it may happen like other UFO stories, where even though uh, our community, you know, and the smaller news site uh, has posted it, once a bigger media source, like Huffington Post, they pick this stuff up, or maybe AOL News picks it up, then it becomes bigger and uh, they all forget about the original discovery. But still, um, it's, it's definitely newsworthy. And like you said, it hasn't been out there. What I thought was funny is the interviewer kind of tricked Spielberg because he wanted to talk about Jaws, which was his favorite movie. He got the interview because of Super 8. Uh, They were publicizing that. And they have this long, great conversation where it sounds like Spielberg's having a lot of fun talking to this guy about Jaws. And he's getting more open about different things that happened on the set of Jaws um, that he hadn't shared before. And yeah, and then at the very end end of the interview, this guy slips in the question and uh, Spielberg surprisingly, I think, was blindsided and answered it. I'm not so sure it was a publicity stunt on his side, rather than just he was having a good time and decided to finally share the experience. Yeah,
0: because yeah.
3: that, that, a lot of times, is what it comes down to is actually getting the question to him. Because Spielberg is the type of guy who has careful control over what he puts out, mm-hmm. and it. I've been. I started in. The, I know uh, Robbie Graham tried to get to him. A number of people have tried to get to Steven Spielberg, and nobody was able to get past his publicity guy. So he's very guarded, and uh, this was sort of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Where this, I think, some, yeah. as far as I know, it's the first time he's ever actually faced that
2: question. Now, are you planning on seeing Super 8?
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Soon? Uh, I think it has started here already. I think it just started today here.
2: Okay. So are you so going to see I, it like, real soon here? Yeah. Great. Yep. Uh the reason so. why is I just saw it last night um and uh it was a special Twitter preview. Uh and uh. it's really good and it is uh I mean it definitely plays to Spielberg's interest in this field and uh very E. T. ish, maybe even a little bit close encounter ish, but uh uh it's uh it's kind of like an Abrams homage to Spielberg. And uh, it's great because of that, but, you know, you have a lot of this fun, uh, you know, without saying too much for the for the listeners who haven't seen it, but you have this Air Force intrigue, this whole cover-up and Air Force, you know, taking uh, um, advantage of the situation, uh, you know, overstepping their bounds in order to keep secrets and stuff like this. So it's a, it's a great, it's a fun movie, especially for people like us interested in the field.
3: Yeah, and that's I think that's the way Spielberg tells his stuff because uh, I don't think we should be naive enough to think that Spielberg doesn't know more than he, he's letting on because he has right from, there's an interesting story with Carter, but right from Carter all the way to Obama, he's been very close friends with all of the presidents, and mm-hmm. if something is told to him in confidence by the president, uh, he really can't release it because it sort of uh, shuts the door to him Right, that, uh, you know, he can't, uh, you know, if it's told to him in confidence and stuff like that. And through the movies, he's able to sort of tell the story of what he really thinks is going on. I think he knows a, a lot more than, than uh, because even when I I, I told the um the, Clinton, the, the Clintons were both very good friends with both he and his wife. Like Hillary used to jog with Spielberg's wife. And so when I did my Free Information Act request with the uh, Clinton Library, uh, I noticed there was like uh, there was five, six hundred pages on Steven Spielberg. So I requested all the material, and about uh, probably better than half of it was withheld. But um, the president was at Spielberg's house a number of times, actually uh, mm-hmm. running his sort of White House from Spielberg's house. So he's very, very close to a lot of people, and you can bet that uh, Ronald Reagan was interested. But uh, Bill Clinton told uh, Roswell producer uh, Paul Davis, he said he, he, the word he used, I'm fascinated in this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can bet that uh, uh, Clinton and Spielberg did a lot of talking about UFOs. And, well, that's uh, what's
2: exciting. Is Spielberg obviously is very interested in the subject, very interested in the research. Uh, we've got a story in our upcoming magazine where I kind of uh, put some of his earlier quotes and, and another quote. It's kind of funny because there's this one quote I have in there that uh, and you might have heard. This this interview uh, it was uh, regarding. It was when the Close Encounters DVD came out, and he says. Well, and when I was in my teens, and then I guess in my 20s, well, and in my 30s, I was really interested in UFOs, and I thought there was something to it, which is funny. He says teens, 20s, 30s, but since at that time, I think he was in his upper 40s, he didn't mention 40s, uh, <laughs> always kind of being sneaky like that, trying not to elude that he's still into this stuff. Uh, but he obviously was then, um, and now has kind of admitted that he's still into it, Um but he's also, like you said, these presidents, um, like your research shows, have also been interested in this subject, and he's had a relationship with them. So his conversation with these presidents have to be really interesting. And, and uh, I would like to actually, let's get into the first president he had a relationship. And it's funny because this relationship, uh, it was kind of secretive, his relationship with Jimmy Carter.
3: Yeah, and uh, I spent some time, when I was at the um, uh, the Carter Library, There's one of the archivists there went to school with uh, Jimmy Carter's son, Chip Carter, mm-hmm. and he recalls and he, he maintains that the sighting that Carter had was probably earlier than 1969 because he said he remembered Chip Carter telling him the story, and he said it was before 1969 because mm-hmm. they were still in high school together. So he, when he and I were there, um, he, he was very interested, and he was helping me, and, and uh, we did a lot of talking about UFOs and stuff like that. And uh, I had asked for this, this Spielberg file, and it was very strange because what came back was a photocopy of a, of a, of a picture of Spielberg and Jimmy Carter. But what had happened was they had taken the, the letter that they had sent to uh, Steven Spielberg saying, this is the photograph. And they put one the, the, the envelope over Jimmy Carter's face, and the the letter over Spielberg's face. You could see who they were, mm-hmm. and it was very strange. So there was, and we've tried to track the photograph. We we actually tracked the date when the photograph was taken. It wasn't in the catalog. And then the archivist went and did a search for me, and if you're in contact with the President, whether you've written him a letter, talked to him on the phone, or been with him in person, this is all recorded. So you can tell who's been with the President, their interactions. And there was no record at all that Spielberg had ever talked to the President, or written the President a letter, or had been in, in, in contact with the, with the President, and yet here was this photograph that clearly showed the two of them together. So this is how this weird thing sort of started. And one of the stories was, and it was one of the major papers, whether it was Philadelphia or the Phoenix papers, one of the major U.S. newspapers had stated that Jimmy Carter's favorite movie was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And um, so when we tra- tracked that at the at the library, uh, we could track that Jimmy Carter had seen more uh, films than any other president. He'd seen 470 movies. Ronald Reagan, who's always sort of got the reputation as being the the president, who's seen the most movies, only had 300 and, 377 or something. That's Carter a, lot of, a lot
2: of flipping movies. I don't watch that many in a year.
3: And, and apparently, Carter, as as the Iranian thing was, was spiraling down at the end, he watched more and more and more movies. It was almost like he he sort of retreated and just watched movies at the end of his presidency. Mm-hmm. So there was this, this weird sort of thing where uh, he was claiming this was his favorite movie, but we couldn't confirm that he'd actually seen the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh, now, why Lott- do you think he was so secretive with his uh, relationship with Spielberg? Uh,
3: no idea. We just we just could hmm. confirm that all there was in the Spielberg file was this was this uh, picture, and um, the the other weird thing, and I don't know if you know this story, um, the close encounters of the third kind involves for people who don't know the plot. There's this pre-organized landing that takes place at a spot and the, the Americans are waiting for it and the thing comes down and there's this interaction and there's, you know, good aliens instead of bad aliens and stuff like that. And when I was with um, uh, Bob Emenager, who uh, had done a documentary for the for the Nixon administration in the 1970s, dealing with the Hullman uh, Air Force Base landing, and this is a story that he'd been given a film and they had contact this film, and the film was three different cameras of aliens landing at Holman Air Force Base in Bob says 1971, they had the film. They were told at the very end of the documentary they had to give it back. It went back to the Pentagon, and it seems so much the same. So I was talking to Bob right. about this, and he says, "Well, I I didn't tell you," he said, "I forgot to tell you. Alan <laughs> Sandler uh, gave a copy to Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg asked for a copy of the documentary. So in 1975, after they were finished the documentary, Alan Sandler, the, the co-producer with Bob Emmenager, gave." The documentary to Steven Spielberg, and then two years later, Steven Spielberg comes up with close encounters kind of the third Kind right. which has this almost exactly the same sort of uh story about this pre organized landing and yeah. step and and umeneger um, people don't know works with Spielberg's sister Annie Spielberg. they've done a bunch of u f o stuff uh science fiction u f o movies and so he tells me last year when i'm when I'm with him, he says, oh. Once he'd given the film and Steven had done Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Steven Spielberg's mother came to him and said, I've seen your version of the landing and I've seen Steven's version of the landing and I like Steven's better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it <was just laughs> really, really
3: bizarre, you know. So they had this yeah. close interaction, but he didn't really have contact with Spielberg. But he did do some UFO material that Steven Spielberg was doing. Which makes sense.
2: And I mean, uh, they say that Spielberg wrote that script very quickly, like uh, over a weekend or something, uh, held up in a in a room. He wrote the script for Close Encounters, um, which lends to some conspiracy. You know, would the Air Force give him the script or something like that? Uh, which I don't know if it sounds very plausible because, of course, uh, also something that you document on your site is how. NASA gave Spielberg a lot of hassle over Close Encounters.
3: Yeah, that's the thing about the 20-year, that or 20-page letter to uh-huh. Spielberg, and Spielberg. And, then, and Robbie Graham tracked this back to uh, almost the time period in, in Australia. Some movie magazine in Australia where they where this actually comes from, where Spielberg said, when NASA writes you a 20-page letter, uh, you know, critical of this, you realize there's something to it. This, this sort right. of uh, thing. So in so NASA
2: right, didn't want him to, to, to make the movie uh, or to put it out. And of course the suspicion is that you know he people would get too excited about UFOs. What was the film similar or what was the film that got people real excited that uh, Well
3: it was Jaws. well they didn't want another Jaws. Oh, they didn't want him Jaws, to do right a Jaws version of uh, Aliens.
2: Because they were people afraid got about afraid the sort of things. the ocean and sharks because of John. Yeah,
3: so they figured it was going to be the same sort of thing. It was going to be a thing to really frighten people about uh, aliens.
0: Mm-hmm. But then
3: he got the opposite criticism. I can't remember where it came from, but he got the opposite criticism that the aliens were nice guys. I remember it was um, – Emenegger uh, tells this story as well. He, when he's at home in Air Force Base in the 1980s uh, under Reagan, he does the documentary in the 1970s, and then he's called back by this General Miller uh, who is or, uh, was Ronald Reagan's first agent in Hollywood and he moves his way up and he becomes the um assistant head of Dava where they keep all the military film and there's him and this guy by the name of uh uh, S- S- jo- uh Scott uh, and so Miller is this general guy and he's he's sort of trying to get this film out that's in 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 the in there and he talks about uh very angry that, that Spielberg, that these people are wrecking it, that the aliens hmm. aren't good guys. And um. it, this is kind of weird. It's, it's happening behind the scenes where... And, and, Ray, and of course, is trying to find out, why are you calling me back? You have this, the head of DAVA and the assistant head of DAVA, and they're going to give Heineken all this UFO film, and they want to do another documentary. And he says, the government likes what you did the first time, and we'd like to do another documentary. And is and saying, well is this Reagan behind this? And he said he just couldn't get a straight answer. He sort of figured that, it, that it, maybe it was Ronald Reagan who wanted a second documentary in the 1980s, and Valet was involved and Heineck was involved, but both of them figured it was a setup because they weren't going to go ahead with the documentary unless Heineck uh, and Valet put their names behind the documentary, and they figured the same thing would happen with them. they pull the film, they do all this kind of stuff, and right. they'd be left holding the bag. So they pulled out, and the documentary was never done.
2: Interesting. You know, what's interesting about that, too, is uh, even though I want to get back to Carter, uh, but uh, the the turn in Spielberg. Spielberg has happy aliens, you know, all uh, he's got E.T., close encounters, everything's hunky-dory, even uh, what was the one with the little robot aliens, uh, batteries not included. But then, you know, comes Taken, uh, the TV miniseries, which is all about abductions. And it's kind of in between, you know. It's more like the aliens are like us. They're not good. They're not bad. They just do their thing. But ever since then, it's certainly all of his alien movies have a dark tone. They're all invaders coming to get us um, type of thing. Falling Skies coming out with, uh, you know, War of the Worlds. So I wonder if his view has changed. I wonder if they convinced him uh, somehow that, uh, you know, these these are bad guys.
3: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the letters because I mean, you and I both know that if you're out there and you're doing stuff, you get contacts from people, mm-hmm. and you can just imagine the contacts that Spielberg yeah. would have gotten from military no people and and, and uh, giving him influences cause, and he doesn't really say very much about anything. You, you really yeah. you just can see what his movies, but you can just imagine what's going on behind the scenes of of yeah. people contacting him and uh, and he's got very high level contacts with yeah. uh, you know if he's in all the different White Houses. Well,
2: and what I think, I especially from watching Taken, because it was such a long series, uh, but you can tell a lot of research went into it. And yep. he must really spend, because as we know, to research this stuff, we spend a lot, a lot of time yep. of our lives researching. He, he must sometimes lock himself into a room and just read. He must study this stuff. A lot. I mean he must really, really spend a lot of time on it, I think.
3: Yeah. And he seems to have a fairly good grasp of what's going on. I mean he's not mm-hmm. sort of out on a on a on the edge. He seems to be hitting the, right. the high points. He knows what's important and what the right. arguments are inside the UFO community. And even when you take the, the government conspiracy, he always has the you know, the government conspiracy behind the thing. Which would sort of indicate right. that he's believed that all along that there is this sort of uh, element of the government that's trying to, you know, capture the alien and keep it quiet and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this kind of stuff, which is kind of interesting.
2: And it makes sense. I mean, it, it, that that's what would happen and what probably is happening. Now, back to the to the Carter and, and Close Encounter years, I guess one question I would ask is you said that his movie is like Holloman, which I agree, but a lot of people these days, you know, there's a story of Serpo. And there's a question, the chicken or the egg. I really have the feeling that uh, these SERPO documents are not real and they've been uh, mirrored close encounters because the story in the SERPO documents is just like close encounters. A lot of people out there think, no, Spielberg must have known about SERPO. What are your feelings on that?
3: Well, I think SERPO is just the material that they're – and the strange thing was SERPO I really didn't follow. Because when I, I first, first came out, you know, it was kind of goofy. And then they had the Ronald Reagan, the supposed uh, Casey briefing, briefing of Ronald Reagan. It mm-hmm. was just like totally out there. It was just like totally stupid. So I just sort of ignored it. I just didn't pay any attention to Serpo. And I know I, I was at Congress one time. I was lecturing at Congress. And one of the people came up to me after and sort of claims to be an insider and said, well, why didn't you mention the uh, the Reagan briefing?
2: I know exactly who that and, is, too. Yeah,
3: and I, and I said, well, because <laughs> it's not real.
0: It's, it's garbage.
3: Yeah. And he said, well, how do you know it's... And I said, well, it's disinformation. He said, no, it's only 10% disinformation. And I said, well, what 10% is disinformation? The strange thing about Serpo is if you listen to guys, and the strange thing was I heard that Hal Putoff was sort of following at the beginning, and then he sort of fell out. But if you listen to Kit Green, who was used to run the Weird Desk, if you see the interview he did with these guys from England who came and did this... Uh, the book, uh, what's it called, The Mirage Man, if uh-huh. you read the interview they do with him, he basically says, well, don't throw it all out, and it's sort of this whole idea that you're weaving this, this story that he's sort of saying, you know, it's not totally garbage, that they're, they're feeding material in there, and that's what I think is all the documents. Like, I would say, my my basic stance now is every document that's been released is phony. MJ, all of them are phony, but yeah. they all mean something. And the whole idea is when Bill Moore was first contacted, he's the one that started this thing. And Bill Moore, I knew him fairly well. You can say all the things about his arrogance and all this sort of stuff. But Bill Moore was a straight shooter type guy. He was trying to get to the bottom of the thing. Mm -hmm. And he was told, we're going to try to give you the the answer to what's going on and try to give you something, but without breaking the law. If you release classified material, you're breaking the law. So that's what I think they've done is they've taken real documents they've sort of changed them around, whatever. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's yeah. off balance. So they've they're they got you off balance, so they continue the cover-up, and yet the, the idea that there was, like, for example, the live alien. This story has, has been repeated. Pile, there's piles of examples of, like, Bob Emenegger, for example. There's all these people who were offered interviews of the live alien. And uh-huh. Bob said to me, he says, well, this, this is garbage. And that's in Serpo, and it's in a lot of other documents about this live alien. And I said to him, I said, well, who told you the story? And he said, uh, Paul Shardle, who was the security manager at, at Norton. And I said, well, was Paul Shardle a, a phony guy? Because he always talked about Richard Doty. I said, well, is he like Richard Doty or is he a, a, a legitimate guy? He said, no, he was a legitimate guy. And I said, well, he's the guy there we gave you the offer of the live alien, which fell apart. So, and then he went, yeah, you're right. So this is the thing, that there's this stuff that's, that they want you to get the idea there's a live alien. They want you to get there, an idea there's mj 12 but you can't release the cover up because it, it, once you spill the milk, you can't control it.
0: Yeah,
2: but there. I've got so Horace on my desk right here. Funny yeah. enough, and for the and, listeners, and that's the
3: thing with 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 Kit Green. Like Kit Green is yeah. not a type of guy like Richard Doty or all these people who have been, you know, sort of right made, been made out to be a, like a wacko who's telling a bunch of stories. Kit Green is is a, like a straight shooter. If you give give him a question, he'll answer it straight. And when I saw him say, you know, don't throw a Serpo – that there's stuff in there, and I'm going, whoa, this is... Uh, That's dude, that the hard part,
2: though, that, you, like you said, I don't agree with, uh, and I know exactly who talked to you because he's told me that before about the Reagan document, that most likely, though, 90% of it's not real as opposed to the 10 Yeah. And yeah. Uh, recently I interviewed, um, uh, for the listeners who aren't aware of Bill Moore and, and Richard Doty and some of what we're talking about, we get into detail on this uh, with Greg Bishop, In a recent interview, uh, because he's got all the detail about how this all started. And one of the things that was documented, uh, for example, as an example of this sort of of thing, was that there was a gentleman on an Air Force base. And this was one of the first documents that Belmore got. Luckily, he researched it, because he was a good researcher. uh, And he got it from Doty, A first piece of disinformation he could confirm. There was the Air Force sighting. Uh, This guy saw a UFO, reported it. That was the story. Well Doty took it and changed it to be uh I can't remember the details, but you know, this thing flying around, I think landing, right? An aliens coming out or something. Uh luckily Moore looked into it and Doty had completely blown it out and totally added all of these these lies and everything uh, to make it seem as though it was something that it wasn't. And yep. there's an example. It. Taking a sure. real event and only keeping a sliver of the truth so that uh, there really was a UFO sighting by this guy, but then changing the rest of the document to being a complete BS.
3: And so if you're a researcher and you go for it, like they set up Bill Moore because he wrote the the first Roswell book, that's when he was contacted. Ten days before the book went public, he was contacted by this Falcon guy. And uh, Linda Howe tells the story. That she was contacted by Richard Doty when she put out the Strange Harvest, the the yep. the whole story about the cattle relations in Denver when she was working in Denver. She was contacted, and they said, "Well, we don't like the documentary you put out," and they tried to set her up. So they're getting material, yep. but they're also burning these people. What I've always main, what I've maintained lately, is people will think, "Well, it's just Bill Moore and it's just Richard Doty." Absolutely, is not.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
3: take a look at the real story, you'll see the the uh, the Woods, uh, Robert and Ryan Wood. There's over 4,000 pages of these documents that have been leaked. Yeah. 4,000 pages is not Richard Doty or Bill Moore. This yeah. is an organization, and I say we've got to figure out why would you release 4,000 documents. That's a lot of work, it's a, and, and yeah. we're a small UFO community. We really don't yeah. influence anybody. There's There's got to be a reason why One, they're feeding this material into us.
2: The other is Serpo because that's an example. Uh, Kit Green says don't throw it all out. But what, like you said, I mean, Serpo is tons and tons of pages. I, When it was coming out, because I tried to my best, and at that time I was able to, I was reading everything that was coming out. I mean, it, and a lot of it was completely ridiculous. Um, yep. Things that you know for a fact are inaccurate. But uh, let's say a part of it is. Well, when you're talking, for example, 4,000 pages, you know, and it's a needle in a haystack, but figuring out which of the couple hundred might be real.
3: Exactly. It it, it to, for a researcher there's really not much you can really get out of it except for like consistencies where you where the, this like the live alien keeps popping every couple of years mm-hmm. where there's an, another live alien story and some of the stuff like I don't know if you're familiar with the uh Ronald Pendolfi I would say is the key guy. Ronald Pendolfi knows how all the pieces go together. He is with the National Intelligence Office right now the priest, the president and he was the top scientist in the CIA he was ran the weird desk for the for the UFO material, and when there there was a bunch of documents that that got leaked, and Gary Beckham put these things out, and these were documents where he was going after Richard Doty for the Serpo stuff, but what he was going after him was that he'd released classified material, and mm. some of it had to do with some names of some guys inside the Defense Intelligence Agency, and I was warned about Pandolfi as well about different documents to watch what you do because he's the guy that guard, that guards classified material. If anything classified wow. comes out, he's going to jump all over it. And this, these, these documents floated around where he was, he was contacting Doty and saying, I'm, I'm going to call you up on this, that you're releasing classified material. And again, there, there's sort of some indication. So, Pandolfi knew what was real in the, in the Serpo stuff and what was classified, and he was accusing Richard Doty of being behind the whole Serpo thing. So, but for an ordinary researcher to read that stuff and then to sort of uh say that this is truth there's nothing they they just want yeah. everything off uh, completely off everything be off balance and yet this sort of this this story of of what has happened is sort of uh, coming out, which is maybe what they need they can't have you back in nineteen forty seven where you have no idea of what's going on or, uh, you know, whether there's been crashes and there's been uh, autopsies and there's a group running it and all this sort of stuff uh, because they, I don't think they're in any position at all to make any sort of disclosure because they they, they really right. don't know how to control it once well, they make it, the it's disclosure. Well, it's
2: like the, the, the recent Area 51 book with Annie and Some people are speculating that perhaps that old man really saw the debris from Roswell and the creatures from Roswell And in order to throw him off, or he heard rumors about it, and in order to throw him off, they told him, oh, no, that was, you know, a Russian, uh, the Russians and the Germans trying to trick us. And so that was the the cover story they gave to this guy, uh, which is a complete possibility. And, of course, he buys it. He believes it. He puts that out there. Uh, Now, you know, 60-some-odd years later, it's big news. And then uh, yep. Jacobson's now getting burned over it because of the ridiculous cover story. But uh, that's the possibility of how some of this stuff gets out and how it gets covered up.
3: Yep. Yeah, and it gets out there and it sort of sticks. Like every mm-hmm. like the, all these Roadrunner guys are now upset now that instead of a book telling the great story of what they did that they right. share with their friends and family, it's all become – and you see the interviews – Nobody yeah. wants to talk about the the A-12 and all that kind of stuff. Right. Everybody goes to the last eight pages of the book, and everybody wants to talk right. about the aliens at uh, at Area 51, and this stuff sort of sticks. And one of the examples that shows how it sticks is the, one of the things I was looking at with the, with the uh, Clinton Library was uh, the alien invasion movie of 1996, uh, Independence Day. And this is the story where... The president is taken to Area 51 and shown that there is something at Area 51. They've got the the craft and all this sort of stuff, and they fight off the aliens and win and stuff like this. And Bill Clinton stated in 2005 that a lot of people in his administration actually believed that. And I think that's what came from Independence Day that there were so many people in his administration that believed that there was an alien ship and aliens at Area 51, that he actually sent somebody to Area 51 mm-hmm. to find out about it. And then, they, of course, they told him, well, no, there's nothing here. It's just advanced aircraft and stuff like that. But if you get uh, high-ranking officials and a number of people in a White House who actually believe the story that comes out of an Independence Day a movie, then you've got to see that this stuff is, is affecting everybody, even the high-ranking right. people.
2: So uh, getting back to, to wrap up the Carter thing, so uh, you would agree that – Holloman most likely was the genesis of, of close encounters or a lot of the the as opposed to Serpo. Yep. Uh but uh one thing I wanted to touch on because uh it's something on your site that's uh, pretty important. I think that gets people throw out all the time, you know, and I think you know, it's unfortunate people don't do the heavy research um stuff like you do. They throw out all the time that uh Carter was uh asked um Bush to be briefed. Uh, when Bush was CIA director and Carter, before he got into presidency but was elected, president-elect, he wanted to know about ETs, and he asked George Bush about it, who was the director of CIA, and George Bush said, no, you can't know about it. Um, but later, that a briefing of some sort was put together for Carter. And your site documents, and I think it's the only place that documents, how it's really kind of a legitimate source that this comes from. It comes from um, Sheehan. Who yes, Danny uh huh? Who was a lawyer who was tasked by uh, what Marsha Smith said her name um, to who yep. worked for the uh, science board for the White House uh, to to look into this stuff.
3: Yep, and Danny Sheehan uh, is 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 and you know him, I know him. I mean, the last thing you'd ever think that Danny Sheehan would lie. Now, I went to uh, I wrote a letter to Marsha Smith. Uh, an email, and I heard from Leslie Kane that Danny Sheehan was pretty upset about it, but basically, and I, hmm. the way I wrote it was I said, well, is Danny Sheehan lying? Is he telling the truth? Did this actually happen? She didn't answer the email, but then I heard this back-channel thing that, that Danny Sheehan had heard about me writing this email. Marcia Smith has never been interviewed by anybody, and the story they told, this is a story that comes up, there is a kernel of truth to this, because the original story was that Carter, when he was president-elect, he gets briefed by the CIA director from the administration before, which would have been Bush under uh, Gerald Ford. And he, um, he asked for the files, and Bush tells him, you can't have the files, curiosity on the part of the president is not sufficient need to know. Now, lately, just in the last month or two, Mar- uh, uh, Shirley McLean has come out, done the interview with Coast to Coast, and she talks about talking to Carter, and she's talking to him about uh, UFOs, and she said that Carter told her that he went to his intelligence officials and asked for the, for the UFO material, and that his intelligence officials said, you don't have a need to know, you're only around here for four years. So she's sort of backing up this story that the president doesn't have a need to know. And the other one that, that, that fits into this is the whole story that i put out and th- doesn't seem to get any reaction is this Ronald Pendolfi guy. And Ronald Pandolfi, when Bill Clinton wanted uh, the UFO information, his science advisor had asked for a briefing from the CIA on UFOs. And the job was given to Ronald Pandolfi, who at the time was the White House liaison. And uh, he gives it to Maccabee instead of the CIA doing because he can't have the CIA doing because the CIA isn't involved with UFOs. So they get Maccabee to do the briefing. Now, uh, I've been in contact with Dan Smith, who gets a lot of stuff from Pandolfi. A lot of people really question Dan Smith. I think he's telling exactly what Pandolfi's telling him. And he asked for uh, Pandolfi about a briefing for George Bush Jr. And the, according to his website, Pandolfi told him the pro, the play, the president cannot be players. We tell them what they need to know and hope we don't have to put them down. So there's this Kernel of truth that runs through that the president is told curiosity on the part of the president is not sufficient need to know. Now Jimmy Carter has denied the story that he asked. He, uh, he, he's been interviewed lately, in, denied the story that he asked uh, uh, Bush for the uh, records. But Jimmy Carter has bounced back and forth. He's even to the point now where he's saying he doesn't believe that Martians can come here from another planet, and he believes that his sighting may have had to do with some. Uh, military experiments going on at an Air Force base
0: mm-hmm. near
3: where he had the sighting. So Jimmy Carter is sort of, uh, I, I don't know, he's a
2: strange sort of... Backtracked, yeah.
3: Uh, ...fellow. He's he's bouncing all over the place. Uh, the, when when he was asked by uh, uh, James Fox, he had a fairly interesting... Because there he was caught off guard. James Fox had his father in a wheelchair. They were going through the book signing. And that's when he asked him the question, what did you do when you were in the White House? You said you were going to release the UFO stuff. What did you do? And that's when he said, there are many questions, but no one has answers, which seemed to indicate that he tried to get it. He couldn't get it. And he just sort of gave up. And yet, when you look back, you see the vast majority of the documents that have been released were released under the Carter administration. So he Mm -hmm. did do a lot of stuff. And I've been sort of documenting a number of actual studies that were done. The people now, there's probably five or six studies, UFO studies that that started out, were killed in the early stages. But it, there does appear to be a, a lot of effort that Carter actually did try to get to the bottom of it.
2: It looks like. And moving from Carter, we talked Reagan, so we'll skip up to Clinton. But uh, it looks like there's a trend, though, with presidents that they like the public think that the president has a lot more pa- more power than they actually have, and I think it sounds like Carter when he became president found out that there's a limit to his power. Uh, Reagan might have known that he was just an actor and he would never have uh, all the all the info. But uh, and I don't know that he wanted to. He was more of a organizer. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Clinton, of course, as we know, tried to pursue this, and he wasn't given much information. And he even says they could be keeping information from me. I don't know. Um I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they were. Uh so and I think even, you know, Obama's run into this with especially with the oil spills, that he doesn't have as much power as he thinks. He can be bullied around by big money just like or or military or just like anybody else.
3: Yeah, because because basically what happens is once you become the president, if they do tell you, I mean if they sit you down and say there's a top secret briefing and here it is. I mean, you're, you're sworn to secrecy. There's not, not much you can do because Obama was a big guy. We, You know, no more secrets, no more this, that, uh, lies, and we're going to be transparent and all this sort of stuff. And he signs this sort of a executive order when he first comes in on freedom of information, and, and it all looks great. And then when you hear him talk to the CIA after they get bin Laden, he says, and I was trying, I was trying to get the audio from this, where he says, um, and in this time we kept a secret, and that's good which is completely the opposite of, <laughs>
0: right. of what,
3: he, what, what he started uh, out at. And basically, because it, right. it becomes your CIA, it becomes your cover-up, and yeah. uh, wh- what are you going to do? You, you, you're sort of stuck in a situation right. where everybody basically, no matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, just keeps going along that the, the system is way bigger than the person in the office. And mm-hmm. you just sort of try to guide it, but it, it, it runs itself.
2: One big link between the Carter administration and what we were talking about with Sheehan and Marsha Smith and Clinton, which I found interesting, uh, was that Marsha Smith worked for Jack Gibbons. And Jack Gibbons is then the guy who was getting the information from uh, Lawrence Rockefeller when Lawrence Rockefeller was trying to get Clinton to open up the UFO question. And Gibbons played like he didn't know anything about UFOs yet, he had to be privy uh to these reports from Marcia Smith which the public still hasn't seen and which she says admit that there are ufos and different types of extraterrestrial races visiting us
3: yeah that that was something i was never really able to track i talked to danny about uh, what was on the page was it you know classified this sort of stuff that those two reports the one said that there were between two and six et races and uh then the the ufo one these two different studies we were never never able to really track these these sort of things and gibbons had the problem of uh he may have known stuff back then but when he was in the uh, clinton administration you could tell that he really wasn't getting anywhere Their were their wheels were spinning they were it didn't not seem able like to...
2: he, gibbons wanted to
0: yeah
3: and even clinton himself like the whole story about clinton he he tries to get the material and then he can't get it so he goes to webster hubble and this is a confirmed story Webster Hubble was Assistant Secretary uh, in Justice. What does he know about UFOs? He knows nothing. Mm-hmm. So why would they put him in charge of a UFO study? Because he was friends. He was a law partner with Hillary Clinton at the Rose Law Firm. They could trust the guy. And he sends them out to, to investigate are there UFOs and, second thing, who killed JFK. Yeah. So Clinton was a conspiratorial guy. He didn't believe the, who killed JFK. He believed that was all a right. conspiracy, too. And, and so when I filed Free Information Act request, and this hasn't been released yet. I said, I want all the files in the Clinton administration on the on the JFK assassination, and they the first preliminary report was there's twenty five hundred pages of material. So he, here was a guy who couldn't couldn't get wow. material and then you get these other stories like Hillary being involved. There's two documents that showed that Hillary was dr- directly involved with uh with the the Rockefeller initiative. And then I mm-hmm. get two people and one was William LaParle, who was a researcher, who was friends with Pandolfi and uh that whole group I- in Maine he tells me the story that Hillary, indirectly through a second person, came to him looking for information. And then Daryl Sims tells me, I hear a story that Daryl Sims got contact. I phone him up and says, this is this true? Did Hillary come to you for information? She said, yeah, there was a woman that came to one of my meetings, said she was a friend of of Hillary's, and that she wanted all my audio tapes on, on uh abduction and all this kind of stuff, and that he gave her the material, and she went back and came back about a month later and said, the President and Hillary really enjoyed your material. Wow. So Clinton was not able to get anything through normal channels, so they called in Stephen Greer to to, to talk to the CIA director. They're calling all these people in trying to get material from the UFO community because they can't get it through normal channels. Yeah. And it just just sort of shows that uh, uh, the President may not be playing uh, with all the cards, he may yep. know no part. It may be a, a, a sort of a thing to protect the president. You really don't want to know about this, Mr. President, because if, if they ask you a question, then you're going to have to answer. Right. Uh, that's the, the big $64 question. But I think there are people who control it. I don't think it's really the president. I think it's, um, uh, in fact, John Alexander, who talked about this Reagan rumor about the uh, E.T., that, what was said there, uh, John Alexander says, well, it was just rumor. That's how he discounts it. Well, now it's not rumor anymore. And right. if you go to John, John Alexander's site, and you take a look at the pictures, and he, I'm pretty sure he just put these on there. He has a picture of him and Ronald Pendolfi together, and mm-hmm. the, the, he, he describes Ronald Pendolfi. He says, those who should know do. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Ronald Pendolfi right. is one of the guys who should know, and he does know what's going on, and he and knows. He if the there's lid. some truth to it, hey. Ronald Pendolfi knows Who's got the need to know who's read in and who's not read in? That's the guy who has all the answers, not so much the president.
2: I wanted to ask if you knew how uh, Spielberg then became friends with Clinton.
3: How they became friends?
2: Yeah, how the Spielbergs became friends with the Clintons.
3: I didn't see anything in the documents. I've got a couple hundred pages of documents. It really didn't. Uh, I know uh, Spielberg gave them this famous uh, there's a famous picture in the, in the Oval Office. Uh, of the uh, Statue of Liberty, that uh, was a famous p- big-time money picture that hung in his office. So he was giving money, and uh, it, it may have been just because there was a lot of movies he was putting mm-hmm. out. And every time there's a movie, uh, the president gets it before he even goes into the movie theater, and then the people will come in. And Spielberg slept in the, in the Lincoln bedroom, and you know went through Is the whole there thing.
2: Any sort of uh, link you found where they actually. Because um, there's yeah there's lots of connections. Um, in fact, in our next magazine, we used one of your the pictures you provided us uh, from the Clinton Library of uh, Spielberg with with Hillary, um, and then uh, uh, we have yeah, the another one. The
0: problem with it is
3: that that people talk about uh, openness. Uh, I would say that it's way worse. I mean, from from the days of Reagan, the, the stuff that they would withhold at libraries. I mean, the, the Spielberg stuff, there's really nothing. There was no, I mean, I've got a couple hundred pages, but nothing I would put on my website. There's really nothing from there. From the Clinton?
2: From, from the Clinton. There's
3: hundreds of pages that have been withheld on Clinton and Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So you really can't tell whether that's the stuff you're really looking for. It probably is the stuff you were looking for. Uh, the, there's really nothing that, that you can really get out anymore. And the, the prime example of that is John Podesta, where I tried to get the pictures from his 50th birthday and one videotape. And I went through all the appeals. I fought it. And absolutely nothing. They are withholding all of it. Can't have it. And, and basic this reason for was- the
2: listeners who aren't sure, uh, aren't aware, uh Pandolfi had an X Files birthday party at the web at the White House because he's into UFOs and X Files and That's, everything. Yeah. And for and, some reason yeah. that stuff's being withheld.
3: It has been withheld, and they have. Been, it goes from, from the library, it goes to Clinton and Bruce Lindsay, who's his, his lawyer. So they review it, and they are the ones that turned it down. And they turned it down, Then I made the appeal. They turned down the appeal, and unless I go to court, I mean, it's not going anywhere, but the, if they're going to withhold somebody's pictures from his 50th birthday because it's embarrassing to the president, anything that's of any significance is being withheld. It's just unbelievable the stuff they're withholding out, and for crazy reasons, and unless you've got a lot of money, or you're a uh, powerful law firm in Washington, uh, it, it's almost impossible to get this material. You can file all these FOAs. I have uh, probably now another 1,000 pages to review it, is that it, it reviewed at, or released at the Clinton Library. But a lot of this stuff, you go there, and you sit there after a day and go, like, why did I come all the way down here? This is a total waste of time. It's just uh, uh, the, the good stuff is, is years away from being released. And this yeah. is a guy like Clinton who's was supposed to be open or Obama, you figure Obama was open, you can expect guys like Bush and, uh, you know, Nixon and people like this to withhold stuff, but uh, these guys who are claiming to be open and then you go and uh, really you can't get anything. As I said to Spielberg, there was, I can't remember it was 500, 600 pages of material and there was nothing there worth reading. I've got, uh, I've got it all on my, uh, yeah. uh, scanned it all, but there's really nothing there worth reading.
2: And then you said uh, Spielberg has a relationship somewhat with the Obamas?
3: Yeah, there's a picture if you go there there's a if you uh, Google search uh White House Theater, you know, there's a interesting article there um which has a lot of photographs from the White House Theater and you'll see one there where Tom Hanks and Spielberg previewed oh, I've seen that their one. film with yeah, with Obama in the I'm a uh, big in fan the of
2: uh, the White House photographer. He takes some incredible pictures and they are very open with those pictures. That's great.
3: Yeah. So and and the, now I'm trying to figure out and someone, you know, one of the, the guy that was at the Carter Library said it was actually, you know, it would be a, a very interesting project to uh, try to track all the movies that the presidents have watched. Because, uh, you, you know, you can get a list of them, but the thing is you've got to go to all the libraries and, and do all the listings. So that may be something that I may do now if I go to different libraries is, is try to follow all the movies to see how many presidents watched... Uh, uh, UFO movies, or if there's any comments and stuff like that, because yeah. we've done it for a couple of presidents, but nobody's ever gone in and checked to see what kind of movies the president watches.
2: Yeah. Now, I guess uh, we're running out of time, so uh, getting back to uh, the the current news and you know this list that you were able to get, was there anybody else of note at the E.P. Uh, movie uh, that you can think of that now that you've seen this list?
3: Uh, there was Sandra Day O'Connor was there from the uh, Supreme mm-hmm. Court, which was kind of a weird one.
2: And um, I think she was just brand new. She was just uh, um, got onto the Supreme Court at this time.
3: Yeah, there was like the uh, there was really nobody like I, I'm pretty sure I've been told by the archivist that Bush and George Shultz had been in the meeting. Mm-hmm. I heard that somewhere, but n- nobody of that rank, like not the vice president wasn't there. The chief of staff and the assistant chief of staff were there. And other than that, there was no government uh, high-ranking official. The Nassau guy you mentioned,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: Vernon Walters, who was, uh, you know, an ambassador, a couple of ambassadors. Because it and I may do some more research. I may come up with something. But it'd be, it be, to me, it was interesting that E. T. was there, and they're gonna, they have to do an invite list. So who do you invite to the E. Two meeting yeah. And there, there has to be something pop up as to who they are. What people got to remember is that half of them were like the husband or the wife of the key person. So half of the people you can eliminate immediately because they're just there with their with their spouse who is the person you're actually looking mm-hmm. for. So uh Buckley a lot of conservative uh, uh James Buckley a lot of uh like guys from uh different conservative magazines um Newsweek um yeah. uh film writers stuff like that. But nobody that I could find that really, you'd say, man, that's interesting, that guy's in the room, yeah. knew what was going on. I I really couldn't think of anybody on that list who really had a true need to know that I would say, that guy's in the loop. I, mm-hmm. None of them rang a bell. That's where I went back to the statement that maybe Shandray was right when he said that Reagan had said, I bet you there aren't six people in this room know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. This is It true. was
2: exciting. Uh, it was an exciting week because, uh, you know, last week uh, I hadn't been aware uh, and it was from the Silver Screen Saucers website uh, that I became aware that, uh, you know, Spielberg's first ET movie was done when he was a, a high schooler, and he did it right here. At, he aired it here in Phoenix. Um, so I went to that theater, took some pictures, stuff like that. So that was really exciting for me already, getting excited for Super 8. And then this news came out, uh, which is really exciting as well. So uh, and then it topped it off. I get to see the Super Eight movie, which is which is great. So it's been a spectacular Spielberg adventure, and this is just a ter- cherry on top. Getting to talk to the presidential authority on UFOs, uh, Grant Cameron. So this has been a great week, and uh, thank you so much for doing the interview.
3: Okay, and I appreciate your interest, and hopefully we come up with something new down the road that uh, that even gets it a little bit deeper as to what's going on.
2: Yep, and Silver Screen Tossers, by the way, you've written uh, uh, something recently up there.
3: Yeah, I did the alien invasion thing, and that's kind of something people don't know about uh, Reagan's obsession with the movie The Earth Stood Still and Mm -hmm. how it may have ended the Cold War and definitely had to do with his statements about the alien invasion. That all came from his obsession with
2: that movie, which was in the 1950s. And, of course, uh, Presidential UFO, where you're always posting new and great stuff. Yep. All yep. right. Great. Thanks for joining okay. us. And thanks for giving me the lead on the story. You're the one that broke it. Yep. My pleasure. I always <laughs> I knew you would be excited about it. Oh, uh, I was excited. You betcha. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You betcha. So one thing I discovered first, uh, we do have the list of the people that were at the ET movie, and it's on our website. Uh, It's the top story today, feature story, Reagan's extraterrestrial movie screening guest list. So you can go to our website and you can look at the list. And what I've done here is actually written a story with details about some of the more interesting people that were there. And someone that we didn't mention or get into too much, uh, Grant mentioned him, but not a whole, whole lot about his background, which is actually pretty interesting, is Vernon Walters. He was a diplomat. He was uh, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations from 85 to 89. Um, during the time of E.T., he was kind of like this on-call diplomat. But more interesting is actually from 72 to 76, he was the deputy director of the CIA. Possibly someone in the know, supposedly Bush. We talked about Sheehan and uh, Bush and uh, uh, Sheehan supposedly finding out that Bush was in the know and um denied access to information to carter so interesting stuff uh you can also get more about what uh spielberg had said and even listen to the audio when you hear spielberg talking himself it's a lot of fun because he was real excited about it coming up next time well we're going to have professor ted loader he was a professor of earth scientists. Earth sciences at the University of New Hampshire. He's going to be speaking at MUFON uh, this year in July. His main topic is ET tech and free energy that the ETs have discovered. Free energy. So he's going to be talking about that, and we're going to have him on. He's a real busy guy. If for some reason we can't get him, we'll probably bring on Steve Volk, who I'm real excited to talk about. He just wrote a book called Fringeology, and essentially he's a journalist who was trying to write a book to write off, you know, paranormal experiences because he thought he had a ghost sighting and uh, the whole paranormal. He he assumed, like everybody does, that it's a bunch of hogwash. But he found out he couldn't. He was surprised at how much evidence there is to various types of paranormal phenomena and that he wasn't able to completely just shove it off as a, a bunch of goofiness. So I'm excited to talk to Steve Volk in the next couple of weeks We'll get him on if we can't get Ted Loader. Both exciting interviews to look forward to. We're out of time. Thank you for listening to Open Minds Radio. Don't forget to visit openminds.tv for more UFO news. We will talk to you next week, people.